Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. It was like a normal day, you know, beautiful weather. We got all our gear packed up, you know, fueled up the boat and uh, headed for Santa Barbara Island to go do some fishing. His name is Joe Bluestein. He's remembering a single day in his life. Back in September of 2014, when he was floating off the coast of Southern California on a sleek 65-foot yacht fisher. I was playing cards with uh, my brother's boss and a couple of buddies, and they uh, decided to go to sleep because it's a long ride in. And I decided to go clean the fish, and they all went to bed. And my brother was behind the wheel, you know, steering the boat. And I went to grab a bucket of water to get some water in there, and that's when it all happened. So what, what happened? The bucket of water pulled me in. In, into the water. In the in the moment, what did you think as it was happening? In the moment, I I thought it was a bad dream. No one had seen him fall overboard. No one had heard him. He had no life vest. He watched the boat shrink, then vanish. I had a pair of cargo shorts on with a pair of slippers and my sunglasses. And that's it. I had no shirt on. And when I fell over, I realized that the guys are not going to realize that I was missing until they got back to the marina. Because, every, it's you know, it's a big boat. And that reality set in. Now, obviously, Joe's going to live to tell his story. I mean, you can hear that he's still alive. He's in New Jersey with his wife and young son. But why is Joe Bluestein still alive? Or more exactly... How will Joe explain why he's still alive? How will he tell the story? Man lost at sea. For most of human history, that was the end of the story. Because the storyteller was dead. But this one's still around. 
where are you in relation to the shore? I was like 14 miles out from Marina Del Rey. You know, I flew in and out of LAX like probably like hundreds of times. And I saw the planes going over me, the planes that were flying out of LAX. At that point, I'm like, I got to swim to shore, you know. In my mind, I prepared myself mentally to swim to shore. It sounds so dumb to fall off a boat, but Joe's not dumb. He's thinking about what he's doing. He marks his position to measure his progress. I saw a sunset. I thought it might have been my last sunset. And I start swimming towards shore. And I realized probably like a couple hours in that I wasn't getting closer to shore. It was actually around a full moon. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you're familiar with tides and moons, but during full moons, the tides are very, very heavy. Like, what are you doing? Are you treading water or are you um, laying, laying on your back? Yeah. yeah, I'm treading water. Yeah, I'm flipping back and forth because it was a little choppy. So, like, if I laid on my back, you know, like, I would get a little water splash over my face and, you know, a few drops of water, I would, you know, just inhale. So then what do you think? I realized that I was being sucked out to sea with the currents. So at that point, I try to figure out how to, how to stay afloat until, you know, hopefully somebody finds me. But Joe had no real reason to think anyone was even looking for him. He was just drifting, alone on the Pacific Ocean, in the dark, at the mercy of forces beyond his control. By far the most important of these forces is a machine that's been quietly humming in the background since long before Joe was born. I'm Michael Lewis, and this is Against the Rules, where we explore unfairness in American life by looking at what's happened to various characters in American life. This season, that character is the expert. Welcome to the 12th annual Samuel J. Heyman Service to America Medals Dinner, or as we call them, the Sammies. When we set the date for this event... For two decades, a man named Max Steyer has run an outfit called the Partnership for Public Service. It's a wildly ambitious and possibly insane attempt to fix the entire United States government. The group's nonpartisan. I mean, it's not pushing any agenda about what government should do. It's just trying to help government to do whatever it does better. We're all here tonight to recognize and honor all that is right with our government. At some point, Max realized that part of the government's problem was that its workers had wacky incentives. When they screwed up, everyone noticed them. But when they did something great, no one noticed. The American people had not the first clue what various public servants had done on their behalf, even when those things were a matter of life and death. So Max created a new award for people who did great things in government, the Sammy. He then ran around the United States government, begging people to nominate colleagues for a Sammy award. It took a ridiculous amount of time and energy. The people who did these jobs had no taste for the red carpet. I am humbled to be in the company of my fellow nominees tonight. You all have done and are continuing to do amazing things. And as a taxpayer, I want to say thank you. Max's list of Sammy nominees now has several thousand names on it. 
But what it really is, is a list of experts whose existence you never imagined. Another one I love is Osama El-Lissi, who is at the Department of Agriculture, who is the foremost expert uh, on the, the, the pink bollworm. And he was responsible for eradicating it uh, in the United States. And it's one of the biggest pests for cotton. And wait, wait, what's it called? It's, what's it called? The pink, pink bullworm? Yes, a bullworm. I mean, I didn't even know there was a pink bullworm, much less that there was an expert in the pink bullworm. And the pink bullworm was doing damage to the cotton crop, and he figured out how to stop that. Absolutely. And it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal for the livelihood for thousands of farmers and, and for our economy. And it's a, yeah, it's a big deal. And, and the list is forever. I mean, uh, another person who... Uh, you get the idea. When you hear what these nominees do, you don't say, oh, what a waste. Why bother with that? But what they do, and what a lot of experts do, tends to be complicated and undramatic. Not movie material. Not even really podcast material. They're just people working on problems the free market would never, ever solve on its own. I mean, it doesn't pay for any one cotton company to figure out the pink bullworm problem for the whole world, even though the solution would save everyone billions. A lot of people on the list were working on stuff that would save not just money, but lives. Lives like Joe Bluestein's. Against the Rules, we'll be right back. As listeners of this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert teams of nerds have the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Alone in the Pacific Ocean. Off the coast of California, Joe Bluestein is still floating. I took my shorts off and tried to take the waist because I had like one of these, uh, like a material belt, mm -hmm. and try to 
uh, make like a noose around the waist and try to get some air into the, you know, the, where the legs come out. Because mm-hmm. I saw that somewhere online, like some kind of survival video years ago. And that that didn't work. So I just dumped the shorts, dumped, you know, flip-flops. And at that point, I was naked. So you're there in the water. You just got shorts and slippers. You saw some survival video from years ago, and you tried to replicate it, but didn't. So you just got rid of everything. Yep. I was just exhausting too much energy, you know. My slippers were gone. I didn't have underwear on. It was summertime, you know. I was commando style, so. (laughs) Joe clearly knows so much about survival techniques and boats and fish. Everybody always asks, sharks, sharks. I'm like, I really wasn't concerned. One time I had a little concern was when I was floating on my back and I saw it was a bait fish and I think it was a mackerel because that's what is normally around that area. It wasn't a sardine because sardines are smaller. What Joe didn't know was what his life depended on. I mean, in that moment, there were all sorts of forces at work that would determine his fate. But one of them was a guy far away who, many years earlier, had decided to make himself an expert. How hard is it to see a person in the water? Uh, You're a coconut. (laughs) You're a coconut floating in the water. Extremely difficult. Arthur A. Allen, oceanographer, United States Coast Guard, Search and Rescue Division. In the whole of human history, people have been, man has been sailing the seas forever. But the general assumption was lost at sea meant lost at sea. That is correct, yes. There was no active searching. No one was going to come look for you. You sort of assume that it's just normal for people to be rescued at sea. But the first time the American government even tried to find someone in the ocean in any systematic way was during World War II, when it went looking for the life rafts of pilots shot down over the Pacific Ocean. It's only since then that things have changed, and man, have they changed. How big a deal is search and rescue in the Coast Guard? Like, how, how often is it out there doing stuff? On an average day, we rescue about 10 people and we lose about three. One is lost before we're even notified, so someone is, we didn't even get a chance to, to respond. One, one is uh, lost after we're notified and we didn't get there in time. And a third is never found. So that's sort of the daily average, if you will. And is that on you? Do we like have a talent for getting lost at sea? <laughs> is that on un- Are those unusually high numbers or is this going on all over the world? Everyone in Florida has got their own boat. <laughs> so yeah, there is, my husband is, went fishing this morning and hasn't come home, that sort of thing. Back in 2018, Art Allen was nominated for a Sammy Award. I'd seen his name at the top of Max's list, which was in alphabetical order. Art turned out to be the lone oceanographer in the Coast Guard Search and Rescue Division. He'd studied oceans with one clear goal, to help find Americans lost on them. But I got the sense no one had ever asked him what he'd done, or why. The search and rescue problem has two major parts. The first part is, where should we look? And then the second part is, how should we search? In the beginning, there was a sort of a lot more attention being paid to how should we search than where do we look. Yeah, so I was kind of assigned that problem, if you will. This is your problem and go figure it out kind of level of guidance. This is the where should we look problem. That's correct. Art spent many, many years finding better ways to measure wind and ocean currents. After all, to track down any object that's been floating on the ocean, 
you need to measure as accurately as possible the forces that move it from one place to another. But there came a moment when Art realized measuring wind and currents isn't enough. That moment came late one night in May of 2001. It was Cinco de Mayo day, that part I remember. I had gone, been invited down to Portsmouth, Virginia, Rescue Coordination Center of Portsmouth. The Coast Guard commander in Portsmouth thought it might be useful for the house scientists to see some actual searches and rescues. So this is the first time you're kind of out in the field. Yeah, that's the first time that uh, I was uh, directly involved with the operational Coast Guard as opposed to conducting my experiments and trying to write reports. Right. So uh, it was a gorgeous day. I arrived at 4 o'clock. There was a, a listed man on duty. He was, you know, vacuuming the rug. <laughs> I introduced myself. He said, sure, have a seat. And we started telling Coast Guard stories, as, as everyone does in the Coast Guard. And somewhere around 5.30, the phone started to ring off the hook. Art watched lots of bad things happen at once to people who thought they'd simply gone out for a nice day on the bay. A dry, cold front had come to swept down the Chesapeake Bay, and there was front of grounds, fires, overdue people. And he was just writing all this down and calling CETO and calling the other groups, getting people underway, all kinds of things, just going at it for a couple hours straight. And then the end of the evening, you know, it was 7.30 or so, he goes, oh, I still have this overdue sailboat out of Shinkati. By now it's dark. The Coast Guard's trying to account for every boat that's been out on the bay. And one sailboat is still missing. Art Allen watches as his Coast Guard colleague goes to his computer. The guy boots up the software program that's supposed to help him to figure out where a lost sailboat might be. So he opens it up and uh, he zooms in to what he thinks is the Chesapeake Bay. It turns out he was zooming into some place in China. I sort of tapped him on the shoulder and said, so you might want to back out because I'm looking over and watching every step. Uh, so then he backs out, gets to Chesapeake Bay, and then there's the only option for a where things could go wrong. And that tool was what is known as a last known position. So it's a it's just a point. It's basically a circle. Right. A circle where you where you the last place you ever saw this these people. What we knew about this was that it was a, a mother and her daughter and her in-laws. So there was three adults and a child, and she was the wife of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Commission. And they we knew that the plan was to go down and visit the bridge. The Coast Guard actually knew quite a lot about where the boat had planned to go. They knew the boat's size and shape. They knew what time the boat had set sail and from where. They could even guess exactly when the boat had capsized, the moment the storm hit. What they didn't know was how the sailboat drifted on the water after it capsized. Like any object, it moved with the wind and the currents. But every object moves differently in relation to the wind and the currents. How it moves, where it goes, depends on its size and shape. Art watched the search and rescue operator make his best guess. But he was thinking... The mom in that sailboat is the same age as my wife. The girl is the same age as my daughter. He was thinking, that could be my family. 
uh, the Coast Guard got, I think, two helicopters up in the air because we're right next to Elizabeth City, and we had a 87-footer that was out there. They searched all night. Major effort. And in the first light, a, a good Samaritan located the overturned boat across the Chesapeake Bay. Everyone on the sailboat was rushed to the hospital, but the mother and her nine-year-old daughter didn't survive. Their deaths made the front page of the Virginian pilot. The story haunted Art. They died because no one had taken the trouble to figure out the drift of a 20-foot overturned sailboat. They died for lack of expertise. Art saved the newspaper story. He kept it between two books on his living room shelf. Every now and then for the next 10 years, he'd pull it out to remind himself. Why did two live and two die? Simply body mass. The aunt and uncle were very large. And, uh, you know, the daughter is very slight. She perished first. It's hypothermia. It was, it was, it's basically water draws the heat out of your body and you can't generate heat fast enough. So your body shuts down. So you, you watched this. Uh, yeah, I watched it from the inside the command center. That's correct. And basically what I was watching was how he didn't have an adequate tool. So that then was inspiration for me to say, hey, we need to really have adequate tools. Part of the problem with the tool was it didn't have the ability to describe the way this particular object would drift. So you couldn't predict where it was going to be. Right. He couldn't certainly do a swamp sailboat or something like that, or swamp sailboat and persons in the water. At that moment, Art decided to create some new knowledge and build it into a new Coast Guard search and rescue tool. The tool would grab real-time ocean currents and wind speed faster than the existing tool. But it was also going to do something no tool in the world was even trying to do. Calculate drift. This was not a trivial problem. A person in a life jacket moves differently on the sea's surface than a person without one. A life raft drifts differently than a fishing trawler, which drifts differently than a capsized 20-foot sailboat. Toss a bunch of objects into the ocean at the same spot at the same time, and pretty soon, they're miles from each other. Joe Bluestein didn't know that he had his own particular drift. But as he drifted on the dark ocean... He had time to think. And what he did, as he drifted, is what people do. He tried to make sense of things in the form of a story before the story ended. You know, I grew up in a Christian home and went to church religiously. You could say they took me to church, you know, Bible-believing, Jesus-believing folks. And um, I knew, like, I wasn't really following what the Bible was teaching at the time, you know, I was young, stupid, partying, whatever, you know. And I realized that I couldn't do it myself, what was happening out there. Out there, alone on the ocean, Joe sensed that he'd made a mistake. He blamed himself for what was happening. So I called God's name and I start praying to him. And he, he just strengthened me. Now... In everything that happened to him, Joe felt this invisible hand. At one point, my one leg started to cramp. And oh. I realized, this, you know, 
if I lose my legs, I'm done. And, you know, at that point, I start praying even more. And I, at one point, I really was ready to meet my maker. And I already thought about how to drown myself with the least amount of pain. So, you know, I thought in my, my mind, like, I'm gonna just let out all the air out of my lungs, go as deep as I can, and just, you know, suck up salt water and just be done with it because I was so exhausted. And then I start praying even harder and harder. And then my second leg started to cramp and I start rubbing one leg out, you know, like with my hands, I'm probably six hours in already all this and trying to keep afloat. And he just gave me the strength, Michael. Like the, the story that I'm telling you, it's not like for me, it's physically impossible. You know what I mean? That you were able to keep yourself afloat for six hours. Yeah, I was more like eight hours. Yes, it's physically impossible. Like for me right now, it's physically impossible. I have a pool in my backyard. I mean, I could barely do two laps around the pool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like seriously. And, and, and it's just during the time that I was out there, I had I was floating on my back and I had a white uh, I'm pretty sure it was a seagull and this bird just kind of zoomed by me like probably two inches from my nose and flew away and this happened probably about that whole night it probably happened about four or five times mm -hmm. and I know it was just God just sending me like signals of life Joe had rediscovered his faith but he also had at least two other things going for him. He was a big guy. His body fat warmed and floated him. The second thing he had going for him? A man with special powers. Art Allen. As listeners of this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert teams of nerds have the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet, but you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, 
giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Against the Rules. Art Allen had watched the mother and her child die on that morning in May of 2001. He returned home and went looking for anything written anywhere in the world about how objects drift. There was only one good study done back in the 1950s in Hawaii by a Coast Guard commander named W.E. Chaplin, who had grown weary of not finding people. But the guy had only studied a few objects, a couple of surfboards and small fishing boats. There was no real body of knowledge, no expertise. So Art decided to create it, all by himself, without anyone asking him to. He just started tossing objects into the Long Island Sound near his home and measuring how they moved. So persons in the water is really clear. We want to know how it was assumed that people in the water drifted 100% with the currents. Well, that turns out not to be true. And then we have life rafts, uh, life rafts, with canopies, without canopies. Then we have things like uh, surfboards and kayaks, and then we have skiffs and Boston whalers. To anyone else, it would have seemed incredibly tedious, just tossing all these objects into the water and watching how they moved. Sometimes Art was on duty, but a lot of times he wasn't. He was basically working for free, but he loved it. By 2007, he had created mathematical equations to describe the drift of 68 different objects, the way 68 different objects moved on the open sea in relation to the wind and the currents. One of the objects was a small, capsized sailboat. Art used his new data to recreate the failed Coast Guard search of Cinco de Mayo 2001. After the fact, could you see that they've looked in completely the wrong place? After the fact, what I did later on when I had access to proper tidal currents for the Chesapeake Bay and and still had the winds from that day, that basically brought it across the bay to where they were located. He'd been right all those years ago in Portsmouth. A better tool would have saved the mother and the child. He'd been right. They didn't have to die. The U.S. government had just needed to figure out something no one at the time knew— Art had figured it out. He'd made himself the world's expert on how objects drift. Now it was just a matter of teaching every Coast Guard search and rescue person how to use the expertise. We traveled around the country basically for two months implementing this. Do you, can you think of any examples of like things that were found that in a previous generation never would have been found? Oh, I think in a month later, we had a guy fall off a cruise vessel off Miami, and we found him. Here I need to stop to say something about experts. They absolutely suck at telling their own stories. I mean, really suck. Think of all the great stories in Western culture, the parables and the fairy tales and the myths. Where's the expert in them? Nowhere. There are oracles and prophets and witches and wizards, characters who just magically know stuff, but no one who actually starts from a position of ignorance and works his way slowly towards deep understanding. It's very nearly the definition of the expert that they resist finding a narrative about their work, never mind promoting its value. 
And so in the end, the experts we need wind up being considered expendable. The federal government will shut down tonight. That is the bottom line after days of wrangling. During government shutdowns, Art Allen will find himself classified as a non-essential worker and furloughed without pay. In 2019, he'll retire without ever teaching anyone how they might advance his expertise because the government won't even try to replace him. Art will never actually receive any recognition from his former employer, the U.S. government. The Taiwanese government will send Art a coffee mug with his name in English and song lyrics written in Chinese. This was to thank him for the lives his work saved in the waters around Taiwan. Art says he doesn't know what the song means. He actually didn't even know it was a song. But at least there was a mug with his name on it. Our next award tonight is for Management Excellence. It recognizes federal employees whose accomplishments help our government serve citizens more efficiently and effectively. Their work often involves important processes and procedures the public doesn't hear about, typically. So badly do experts suck at telling their stories that Max Steyer was forced to dream up an entire weird award show where he could tell their stories for them. Another person who I love is Mark Eakin, who is at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, otherwise known as NOAA. And his expertise is on coral. And what he has been able to do is uh, to understand how to use data to figure out when the oceans are going to warm sufficiently around uh, coral reefs. Max is the only one trying to tell the stories. And Max is the first to admit that even he doesn't really know how to tell a story. And be able to give notice to local communities so they can actually do various things to um, prevent the real harm from happening. And that can include even... uh, You know, it's funny. Let me stop you for a second. The problem isn't the talent in the American population. The problem is the way it's used, in that we have this vessel in which this expertise can be grown. It's like a Petri dish for growing expertise. Art Allen would never have grown his expertise outside of the U.S. government. He wouldn't have had the resources or even really the reason to go toss a thousand (laughs) objects into the Long Island Sound and see how they drifted. And he just wouldn't have done it, right? Exactly. It's the collective asset. So there is no way that we can reproduce that critical pool of expertise through, you know, nonprofit or corporate uh, collective action. It doesn't work. So you need, I mean, it, it's part of our, of our democracy. Like, it, you know, having an effective government, you need that in order to be able to survive and thrive in the crazy world we live in. So let me tell you what happened right after Art's new tool got rolled out back in 2007. All the details that Art left out. The first thing that happened was a blind, drunk, 300-pound American man ran out of his cruise ship window, 75 miles off the Florida coast. He dropped 60 feet into the water. The ship's cameras recorded exactly where and when the guy had gone overboard. So they had a starting point, and because Art had figured out exactly how a person without a life jacket drifted, the Coast Guard knew where the lost passenger was likely to be. Eight hours after the guy ran out of his cabin window, 
Art's equations led the Coast Guard right to him, drifting in open waters. To this day, that guy is somehow, in spite of himself, very much alive. You can Google all this. You'll find a bunch of stories about the obvious drama of pulling this guy from the water. But you'll only find one story, it's in the Baltimore Sun, about the drama behind the Coast Guard's new search tool. You'll find zero mentions of Art Allen. Art Allen's tool has now saved thousands of lives. The Coast Guards pluck so many people from the ocean that it no longer even makes the news when they do it. If Joe Bluestein had gone over the side of his brother's boat before 2007, he'd have been gone forever. But he went overboard seven years after that. 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, I saw a light that was probably closest, not probably, I'm pretty certain it was the closest that it that I saw that night. And I start screaming and I start whistling because I could whistle very, very loud, like very loud. If you want, I could whistle right now for you. Yes, please. And I start whistling. It was even louder back then. (laughs) And I saw the lights on the boat. They stopped. And I realized that somebody heard me, that they heard me. That they were close enough to hear him whistle was, to Joe, just another in a long string of miracles. I saw that, those lights getting closer and closer, and they got the spotlight on me, and they found me. They threw me a life ring with a rope. I grabbed that thing like my life depended on it. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they pulled me in, and I was, like, just completely drained, exhausted, And I'm a big guy, you know, I was like 250 at the time, 250 pounds. They pulled me in and I crawled on that boat and I told them, thank you. Were they surprised they found you? Um, They didn't show it, but yeah. Yeah, they were. They were very surprised. And were you? I was very surprised. I mean, you really are almost invisible. A little person in the ocean in the middle of the night. They told me later on it's like finding a needle in a haystack. No media reached out to Joe. He went home to New Jersey the next day and told his story only when called upon to do so. I told it in three churches. Basically, this is my testimony. Uh, My parents' church, my church where I go to, and my brother's church. I've had a few people record me also for my wife's cousin's church and for the youth there in uh, Portland, Oregon. And I'm telling you right now. (laughs) When we reached out to Joe, he couldn't have been nicer about it or more open. But he was aware that there might be other ways to tell his story. And he wanted to insist on his own version. The Coast Guard found me. I give them the credit that they deserve. But just can you please put in there that, like, through my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and God, that this all transpired the way it did because you guys are talking to a miracle. I mean, like, whether you believe or not, you guys are talking to a miracle right now. We are talking to a miracle. Two miracles, actually. The other miracle, the ordinary miracle, is Art Allen. That a person decides all by himself to become an expert on drift. His expertise changes the world. What he's done becomes so woven into daily life that we don't even see it. 
we cease to include it in the stories we tell. The experts can't really defend themselves. Telling stories is almost the opposite of what experts do, even when they have great ones to tell. And then, you know, this is universal, that once you get exposed to the search and rescue world, it's, there's something passionate about it. Where does this, what, what's passionate about it? You're saving them. Excuse me. They're saving lives of the most desperate people. You know, it must be, um, it's very similar to, say, working, you know, in an emergency room. We're we're literally pulling people out of the water that would be dead within hours. When they pluck a man out of the sea who, who, you know, any other time in human history would have been dead, is there any awareness of, in the general public or in the news reporting or in the man himself, that, like, this is different? Or did people just kind of move along like, oh, yeah, now we can do this? Well, you know, the, what you see is very spectacular footage from our helicopters lowering the basket to survivors. And... The helicopter crews and the air crews, they're all heroes and very difficult job and deserve all the credit they get. Um, And then there's a little bit, you know, bringing it back to the science, but uh, I'm a long ways away from shaking a hand of someone whose life I've saved. But in one case, the case of Joe Blustein, That wasn't quite true. A few months after his rescue, Joe returned to the Coast Guard station in Long Beach to thank the guys who'd pulled him out of the water. A local TV station found the moment so touching that they showed up to film it. A dramatic rescue at sea is remembered today as the man who survived the ordeal thanks to the Coast Guard personnel who saved his life. On that very day, by sheer accident, Art Allen was in that same Coast Guard station to upgrade their search tools. He slipped in and watched the ceremony. No one mentioned Art Allen's name or what he'd done. The cameras never found him. Nor did Joe Bluestein. Joe was at the front of the room, pinning medals on the rescue crew. In the back, a Coast Guard colleague leaned over to Art and whispered in his ear. Just two words. Nice job. Against the Rules is written and hosted by me, Michael Lewis, and produced by Catherine Girardot and Lydia Jean Cott. Julia Barton is our editor, with additional editing by Audrey Dilling. Beth Johnson is our fact checker, and Mia Lobel executive produces. Our music is created by John Evans and Matthias Bossi of Stellwagen Symphonette. We record our show at Berkeley Advanced Media Studios, expertly helmed by Topher Ruth. Thanks also to Jacob Weisberg, Heather Fain, John Snars, Carly Migliori, Christina Sullivan, Eric Sandler, Maggie Taylor, Nicole Morano, Royston Beserve, Daniela Lacan, Mary Beth Smith, and Jason Gambrell. Against the Rules is a production of Pushkin Industries. Keep in touch. Sign up for Pushkin's newsletter at pushkin.fm or follow at Pushkin Pods. 
To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you still fish? Oh, absolutely. You still get it. You will still go on a, out on a boat. I was ready to go the next day. Like no, <laughs> no, no, no jokes. I'm amazed. I got, I got, <laughs> Michael. I got salt running through my veins. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.